Turn with me to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 1. Yesterday, Sherry and I were talking with a, with a sweet couple. And uh, the man was sharing with me how his first wife had been diagnosed with cancer uh, with the birth of her first child. And uh, he heard her in the bathroom one day praying to God. And she said, Lord, you gave Hezekiah 15 more years when he asked you for it. I ask you to give me my 15 years. And uh, he told me how God answered her prayer. And she, she was supposed to have two months to live. 15 years she lived and she was able to see her son grow up. Uh, she knew where to go to get what God had to give. Um, my dad won a, a couple of tic- tickets uh, to a UT ball game twice. And uh, he entered at Arby's, and uh, two times he had to go and pick up those tickets. He had won them, but if he didn't go and pick them up, they wouldn't do him any good. We need to know where to go to get what God wants to give. And where we go is Jesus Christ. He is the source of all that God has to give. Uh, The scripture that we're going to talk about today, Jesus Begin saying, let not your heart be troubled. There's a whole lot that could trouble us in this life. But I want you to know God has something to give us. And it doesn't matter what's happening in national life. It doesn't matter what's happening in your personal life. God is able to come into your situation and make a change and give you that relationship with him. And work in your life to bring the full benefits of his presence and his power to your life. And so um, the scripture we're talking about today, Jesus is talking about not only the future blessings that God will bring us when we get to heaven, but also present day blessings that God brings through Jesus Christ in the sending of his Holy Spirit. Uh, So we need to receive by faith what Jesus wants to give. And that's the title of my message, Receiving What Jesus Gives. Verse 1. Of John chapter 14. Your heart must not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself. So that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I'm going. Lord Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, said Philip, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time without your knowing me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and he will do even greater works than these. Because I am going to the Father. 
Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will see me no longer, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. And that day you will know that I am in the Father. You are in me, and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but is from the father who sent me. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. You have heard me tell you I am going away and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father because the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe. I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of this world is coming. and He has no power over me. On the contrary, I'm going away so that the world may know that I love the Father just as the Father commanded me. So I do. Get up. Let's leave this place. Receiving what Jesus gives. How do we receive this? Well, the first thing I want you to see is we need to follow Jesus' way. We need to follow Jesus' way. Jesus says, I am the way. What's he mean by that? Well, he means you need to look to me. I'm the one who is the source of the way. And you need to follow my way. Uh, If you look, he talks about uh, the fact that his way brings peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. Jesus is the way to peace. Jesus is the way to the eternal dwelling places. He says in verse 2, My Father's house are many dwelling places. Or if you have the King James mansions, it's an old archaic word that means dwelling places. Um, Jesus says, I want you to understand that the way to these heavenly dwelling places is through a relationship with me. He says, you know the way. Where I'm going, you know the way. Where's Jesus going? He's getting ready to ascend to heaven after his resurrection. You know the way. Philip says, how can we know the way? We don't even know where you're going. Jesus says, I am the way. But not only is Jesus the way to heaven, Jesus is also the way to fellowship with God. Look at verse 23. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him. We will come to him and make our home with him. You see, when you become a Christian and you begin to walk with God and you choose 
to obey God, what Jesus says is, I will manifest myself to you. And you will have a relationship with me, and me and my Father will come and make our home with you. So there's a dwelling place in heaven that I'm looking forward to. Jesus is the way to that. But there's also a dwelling place in my heart where Jesus comes to reside with the Father in sweet fellowship as I walk in obedience to him. Uh, In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned against God and they were cast out of the garden. Before that, every day they would walk with God in the cool of the day. But the fellowship was broken by sin. Jesus Christ died on the cross to take our sin penalty for us, to satisfy the justice of God, to take the wrath of God upon himself for our sin. And he rose again, and the Bible says that because of what Jesus did, you who were far have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. He has provided a way to have fellowship with God. Jesus is the way. Now, there are many people who are saying, look, uh, you can have what life offers and it will satisfy your soul. Jesus says there's a need in your heart that only God can satisfy. I am the way to that need. You know, there's all kinds of people who claim to have the answer to life. People who say, listen, this is what life's about. Uh, I remember seeing a Miller High Life commercial, and it's, and the guy looks at his buddy and he says, it doesn't get any better than this. Well, I beg to differ. <laughs> I believe it does get better. And, and, and the Bible says that Jesus came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And he is the way to that dwelling with God. Um, last week we talked about the fact that now we see through a glass darkly but then face to face. God, as we obey him, as we walk in obedience to God, that obedience, by the way, doesn't earn our salvation. Salvation is a gift of God. But that obedience enables us to walk in fellowship with God. Uh, But even as we do that, in the best way that we could do that here, it's just a taste of what is yet to come. Because the Bible says that, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So the very best that we have here is just a taste. It's in part. And then we'll have the fullness of it uh, when we get to heaven. Won't that be a wonderful day when God gives the command and the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise and we're caught up to meet Jesus in the air. And it will be such a great thing. No sorrow, no crying, no pain. Jesus is the way. To all of that. There is no other way. Think about this for a second. If there was another way for you to get to heaven. If there was another way for you to have fellowship with God. Why would God send Jesus to die? Why would God not answer his prayer in the garden. Let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless not not what I will but what you will. Why would God not let that cup pass from him? There was no other way. Jesus had to go to the cross. Matter of fact, God knew before the foundation of the world what we were going to do, that we were going to sin, that we were going to fail God, and he already had a plan in place. The Bible calls Jesus the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. God saw you and he saw me before this earth was ever created. 
said, I care so much, I'm going to send my son. Jesus is the way. Go his way. Um, I moved to Dallas in my early adulthood, and I was going to go to the Crystal College to study to be a pastor. And uh, I remember it was the first time I'd ever lived in a really big city. And so back in those days, we didn't have GPS, and so I had a map. And I had pulled out this map, and I would chart out the course that I needed to go to get to the places because it was really easy to get lost. If you took the wrong exit or you, you went the wrong way, you might find yourself wandering around not having a clue where you are. Might end up in the wrong side of town. I've actually had that happen one time in St. Louis. And so um, it was important to follow the directions that you had. It's still important today to follow the directions that you have, not just in city traffic, but the way to heaven. Make sure you follow the right path. Jesus is the way. So follow Jesus' way. That's the first way you receive what Jesus gives. The second thing is trust Jesus' truth. Trust Jesus' truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. Jesus spoke the truth. People opposed what Jesus was saying. Leadership opposed what Jesus was saying, but Jesus spoke the truth. There are people today that are opposing what Jesus is saying. But you need to trust Jesus. You need to go to him for the truth. It's amazing how, how uh, quote, quote, people's idea of truth will change. Philosophy thinks one thing in one generation and in another way in another generation. And uh, I've, I've heard this. You, you may have heard about the problem of evil. I won't get into it. Don't worry. I'm not going to give a philosophy class. But people in an earlier generation thought one way about the problem of evil. And now they think differently. Why? Somebody made a new argument. Now their perception of what is true has changed. Scientists are constantly changing what they have as an opinion about one thing or another. Um, it's becoming harder and harder for evolutionists to believe what they are teaching because there's so much evidence against it. Um, matter of fact, uh, one of the neatest things I've ever seen was a little little motor. There's a little, uh, you remember the one-celled uh, organisms you studied in school? I'm not, don't worry, I'm not going to give a science class, okay? Some of you got a serious look. Uh, just going to talk about this for a second. But this little animal, one-celled animal, has a motor in the back of it. It's called a flagellum, and that motor spins. And did you know that motor is more efficient than any motor human beings have designed? You're going to tell me that happened by accident? I was a mechanic. I had a whole lot of motors that broke down, but I never saw any of them come together by themselves. When you have a motor that is operating the way it should, you can know one thing. It's been designed. Nobody ever, when we got a motor into the shop, nobody ever said, huh, boy, I think that just sprung up out of existence. No, they believed that they had ordered it from a place that had designed it. Because it makes sense. More and more, 
scientists are having to change what they believe. Evolutionists are having to change positions. Why? Because the more evolution, more evidence that comes forward, they're having to change. Society changes what they believe is right and wrong. I, I heard this week uh, that there has been a command that has come down from the White House that people are to use whatever restroom they choose. I want to tell you something. That's sin, and that's child abuse. But that's what many people believe in our culture today is right. Society's always changing what their opinions are about different things. We don't need to go to society. We need to go to the Word of God. We need to come to Jesus Christ to find the truth. Um, <clears throat> Jesus is the source of the truth. Jesus is also the embodiment of the truth. And in everything that he did and everything that he said, uh, he revealed God's truth and God's plan for you and me. So um, if you want to find truth, the person to go to is Jesus Christ. Uh, he has also sent us the spirit of truth. Look at verse 17. Verse 15 says, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. My dad uh, shared with me, my dad was uh, uh, an agnostic, uh, kind of somewhere between an atheist and an agnostic uh, as an adult. And uh, he shared with me, eventually, he came to Christ. And he, he put his faith in Jesus Christ. And he said, my opinions about everything changed. He said, I used to believe everything was okay. Hey, don't bother those people. Let them do what they want. It's all okay. No big deal. He said, when I became a Christian, my view of everything changed. Why is that? The Holy Spirit of God had come to dwell within him. He had the spirit of truth. And as he looked at the word of God, he began to see the truth for what it truly is. People are confused. People are looking all over for something that is steadfast and reliable. Jesus provides it. He is the truth. Here's another thing Jesus says about the truth. Look at verse 21. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will reveal myself to him. He who has my commands and keeps them. He says it's not enough just to know what the Word of God says or to know what Jesus says. There's a lot of people that know what Jesus says but don't believe it, or know what Jesus says but don't follow it. There were people in Jesus' day like that, Pharisees, Knew what Jesus had said. They tried to use it against him at his trial. This man says, destroy this temple, I'll rebuild it in three days. Jesus had said that, but they never got the point. You see, it's not enough just to hear the things of God. It's not enough just to be acquainted with the things of God. The word of God and the truth of God that he shared with us is meant to be followed. It's meant to be responded to. He says, uh, he mentions this several times. Jesus says in verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Uh, <clears throat> verse 26, the counselor of the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've told you. Why? So that you can follow it. Look at verse uh, 31. 
Jesus is talking about the ruler of this world coming. In other words, Satan, the prince of the power of the air. Uh, verse 31, on the contrary, I'm going away so that the world may know that I love the Father just as the Father commanded me, so I do. See, Jesus set the example of obedience. Trust is expressed in obedience, right? In the, in the book of Genesis, God told Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Go to the place that I will show you. And the Bible says, and so Abraham went. He's the man of faith. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. Paul uses that in Romans as a basis for his argument for justification by faith. Abraham trusted God, and God credited righteousness to his heart. Um, that's what Jesus does when you put your faith in Christ. He clothes you with the righteousness of Christ. But it doesn't stop there. Abraham believed God. God credited it to him as righteousness. But the result of his faith in God was he took action to obey God. Even to the point of taking Isaac up to a mountain to put him to death. He had raised the knife and God stopped him. He said, now I know that your heart is fully surrendered to me. Abraham believed God, and that belief was expressed in action and obedience. Jesus says, I'm the truth. Believe the truth. And the evidence that you believe the truth is that you obey me. Sometimes I hear people say, well, I believe in God. Did you know there's two kinds of belief in God? James says this, you believe in God, you do well. The demons believe, and they tremble. But faith without works is dead. What James is saying is, look, you say you believe in God. Well, that's fine. There's an intellectual belief in God. That's fine. I want you to know the demons have the same kind of belief as you, you have. It's not enough just to have an intellectual belief in God. There must be a surrender of your life a bowing of the knee to Christ. That's what true faith is all about. Faith and repentance are twin sisters. A surrender. You say, well, I thought we received salvation by grace. We do. As we trust Christ, God gives us the gift of salvation. But that trust in Christ, if it is a genuine trust, will be expressed in a changed life. So, Trust in Jesus' truth. Trust in Jesus' truth. By the way, that's one reason you need to be in the Word of God. As you're in the Word of God, His truth, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. As you're in the Word of God, the Holy Spirit can remind you of things that God has said and can reveal God's truth to your heart. So important to be in the Word of God. Spend time in the Word of God. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Uh, let it be a part of the way that you think because it will be a great blessing to your life. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So follow Jesus' way. How do you receive what Jesus gives? Follow Jesus' way, trust Jesus' truth, and finally choose Jesus' life. Choose Jesus' life. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. <clears throat> 
how does Jesus bring life to our souls? Well, the first way is, to, is by bringing salvation to us, right? In John 17, 3, it says, This is eternal life that you may know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life begins the moment a person surrenders to Christ and puts their trust in Jesus, receiving the gift of eternal life. Um, it's, it's a relationship with God that begins at conversion and lasts forever. So, <clears throat> he brings us life at salvation. You know, I remember being in church many years up until the time of my, my conversion and hearing messages and hearing songs sung and, and all of these things, but something changed when I bowed my knee to Christ. It's hard really to put into words, but I'd been struggling for over a year, and I'd heard a message called, in the quote of the verse, repent or you shall all likewise perish. Choose to turn from your sin. Choose to surrender. And I'd been struggling with surrender that, that whole year. But finally, I came to the point where I bowed my knee to Christ and my life began. Eternal life begins with surrender. Surrender is a dirty word in our culture. Submission is a dirty word in our culture. But Jesus submitted to the Father. We must submit to Christ. Um, Jesus brings life to eternal life that he gives he also brings an enhanced life. Y'all like to watch uh, superhero movies? You remember Spider-Man, he gets bit by the spider and all of a sudden he can crawl up walls and he can, he can swing on a web and do all these things. And, uh, or the Hulk, he gets hit by gamma rays, right? And uh, now he's got all this strength. When he gets mad, he, he turns big and green and ugly and he can... He can bust through buildings and do all these things. He has an enhanced life. I want to tell you something. When you surrender your life to Christ and you begin to walk in obedience to him, what you're going to find is that you have an enhanced life. That things that you used to not be able to do that God can do through you. I know some, this is going to be hard for some of you to believe, but did you know that when I worked at Hardy's Restaurant... I asked to be in the back line because I didn't want to interact with people. Isn't it funny? God called me to preach and minister to people. I got up to preach my first message, and after five minutes, I couldn't think of one other thing to say. God called me to preach. I want you to know something. When the Spirit of God comes into your life and He begins to gift you for His purpose, things that you used to not be able to do, you'll be able to do. Why? Because you have an enhanced life. Look at what Jesus says. Verse 12, you'll do even greater works than these, the works that I do, because I'm going to the Father. Why is that? Verse 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Uh, look at verse 17. The Spirit, he's talking about the Spirit, he remains in you, will be it will be with you and, and will be in you. And I am coming to you. In other words, what Jesus is saying is the reason you'll have these enhanced, these enhanced lives as children of God is that as you walk in obedience to me and the filling of the Spirit, what you'll find is 
that I'm living through you. There was a song uh, a few years back, uh, a couple of decades back, uh, said, we are his hands, we are his feet, we are his people, children of the king. And it's true. You and I, as we serve God in obedience to him, using the gifts that he's given us through the power of the Spirit, um, as we interact with people, what, what's happening is Jesus is interacting with people. You ever thought about that? How could the church do greater things? It's because wherever the early church went, Jesus was going. Remember what Jesus uh, told Saul on the Damascus Road when he appeared to him on the Damascus Road? He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who was Saul persecuting? The church. The people of God. And as he persecuted the people of God, he was persecuting Christ. He was interfering with Christ's work. And Christ said, it's hard for you to kick the goads. I want you to know, my enhanced people are doing my work, and you better get out of the way. And, of course, Saul repented and was changed. So he, he gives us that enhanced life, but also... He gives us abundant life. Look at verse 19. In a little while the world will see me no longer, but you will see me. Some believe he's talking about the resurrection here, but I believe that what he's talking about is that spiritual seeing when the Holy Spirit comes. He says, he says because I live, you will live too. And that day you will know that I'm in the Father, you are in me, and I'm in you. Now, what is that, what is that talking about? This is one of the great passages about the Trinity. The Father is in the Son. The Son is in the Father. They're speaking God's truth. The Spirit is the Spirit of truth. They're all joined together in their common work, doing the work of God. They're unified. They're one. Jesus says, I'm sending you the Spirit. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. What's he talking about? The Spirit's being given. Okay? So that... When the Spirit of God comes into the heart of a child of God, so the Father's there and the Son is there. Yes, the Father's ruling from heaven. Yes, the Son is at his right hand. But in some way, they're also present in the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't ask me to explain all the ins and outs of it. Uh, the ancients said three persons, one substance. That's a good, simple way of saying it. I don't... I don't know that we'll ever be able to completely understand it until we get to heaven, and maybe not even then. But <clears throat> there are three distinct persons of the Trinity, but all of them are involved in the work that God is doing. But he says, I will be in you. You see what he's doing here? He's inviting us into the work of the Godhead. So that... <clears throat> He says, you will live too. Because I live, you will live too. How? Because you will enter into this sweetness of fellowship that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have had in eternity past and will have to eternity future. The only place it was broken was at the cross. I'm inviting you into my fellowship. Abundant life is about a relationship with a person. relationship with God so verse 
uh, verse 21, how does he give us his life? He reveals himself or he manifests himself to them. Uh, he says, the one who has my commands and keeps them, all these things go together. Is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will reveal or manifest myself to him. You want to have a living, vital relationship with God. It comes when you obey. That's one of the reasons the American church is in such a sorry shape, is because we're not obeying God. As you obey God, he'll reveal himself to you. Abundant life. You see, we're saved by grace. Salvation's a gift. We don't earn it. But we walk in the fullness of what God has for us as we walk in obedience. The only way we can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he will help us with that. But that's obedience is so critical. It's your lifeline. And so... Uh, he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to reach the, the fullness of this life that I'm offering you, you need to obey. And what I'll do is I'll manifest myself to you. When Solomon had built the temple in the Old Testament, uh, all the people had, brought, had been gathered from all over Israel, and they gathered around the temple, and Solomon prayed to God and cried out to God to come and inhabit the temple that he had built. And the Shekinah glory of God fell upon that temple. And there was fire and there was smoke and there was darkness. And the people were crying out to God, praise God, bowing down before him. God had come to dwell with his people. I'm convinced that God still wants to come and dwell with us today. If we'll let him. But we let him through obedience. Jesus is the life. Choose Jesus' life. I had a, had a teenager when I was a youth director who said, uh, Roger, you need to come with me. His name was Mark. He said, Roger, you need to come with me. We need to go bungee jumping. And I said, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and he said, what do you mean you're not doing that? He said, you never live till you bungee jump. He was a thrill seeker. I said, well, I have a concern about whether I'll live if that thing snaps. <laughs> you know, and so uh, he never did convince me to do it, but he, he would go and he would bungee jump regularly. But, you know, there are some things that can bring meaning to life, things that we enjoy in this life, but there's nothing that brings life like Jesus Christ. He brings true life to the soul. And it's found in obedience to him. Choose Jesus' life. If you're not saved today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to choose to surrender your life to him, put your trust in him by receiving the gift of eternal life. If you're a child of God, you need to bow the knee afresh and anew today. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. I'm just going to invite you, if you've not been walking with Christ in obedience, to come to this altar and say, Lord, I choose to surrender to your will and your purpose for my life. I want to walk in the fullness of the abundance of your life. And, and maybe some of you say, you know, Lord, I've been trying to walk in obedience, and I've been falling flat. I, I've, I've been failing. I need your help. Fill me with your spirit. Teach me to walk in the filling of your spirit. Come to this altar and tell him. If you'd like me to pray for you, come.
come here to the front and pray for you. But do what God's calling you to do. Jesus says, I'm the way. Follow his way. I'm the truth. Trust his truth. I am the life. Choose his life. It'll make a difference in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that you have given us so many good truths in your word. And um, Father, help us not to be satisfied with fire insurance as a child of God, but Lord, help us hunger and thirst for righteousness so that we can be filled. Father, help us to long for you like a deer.